Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the your company name here. Your studios in Cape Coral, Florida. It's the What's in Your Head podcast with your host Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up? What's up? What's up? OG5. It's Tuesday already been a crazy exciting week i can't believe it's already tuesday it's been a week of insane weird computer anomalies but uh, i don't like talking about that because it's talking shop and we're not here to talk shop nay we're here to talk to gordon and mike no use for a last name what is going on fellas how the hell are you well i'm good what do you do? i'm just watching the live stream saying hey, sorry we can't play so maybe facebook shut us down i don't know anyhow hey mike you got comcast every yonder over your way over over on your side of town the comcast xfinity combo yes I don't know if it's just me. Are they the same company now? Yes, it's all one and the same. I don't know if it's just me. If you guys are tuning in and you have Comcast here in the beloved, battered, beaten Bureau of Southwest Florida, uh, go to speedtest.net and check that bad boy out for the last week, i.e. since I've gotten my internet back. I've been getting 465 megs down and I'm only supposed to be getting 350. I think Comcast is just Holy turning shit. that shit on and like, we'll throttle it later, boys. Let's just get them up. <laughs> so if like, since we've got open back, the gates. So, uh, oh, oh, speaking of opening the gates, our guest has arrived just in time. So yeah, if you are a Comcast user and you're here in Cape Coral and the funny thing is I get 465 while the kids streaming on Xbox and family members are streaming shows from all around the house and speaking all around the house and all around the land, joining us from the beautiful area known as Beaverlick, Kentucky, is our guest tonight. Gordon, if you would do the honors for the What's in Your Head podcast. Joe and Mimi Bourne, how are you guys doing? Good, good. Great. Thanks Excellent. for having me. Thanks you for guys coming on. now own a place that is close to our hearts from a historic <laughs> perspective, and I am glad to see it. Let's be a little honest. There's parts of it maybe come from you know some of the bad memories of, well, of yeah, living on the uh, living on Ronald Road there, down on the Ohio know. River, but uh, good times and all. And we are excited um, to have you guys on the show. Uh, a little back history for those who missed it. Uh, what three weeks ago it was prior to the hurricane. Uh, Gordon was regaling us with the fact that the famous Beaverlick Trading Post has been bought out, remodeled, and be honest with you, is a monster of a whole different machine because back in the day it was primarily your stop for uh, minnows, beer, food, and uh, the occasional t-shirt. Now it looks like there's pastries, food, pizza, the whole nine. You guys have completely facelifted that place and turned it into a whole new machine. Before we get into that, give us a little history on you guys and how you came to acquire the uh, Beaverlick Trading Post. Uh, well, um, you know, it actually kind of goes back a little farther than that. Um, you know, I've always sort of had a, a bit of an entrepreneurial, uh, bent, um, and, you know, um, Mimi didn't quite share that as much, but, um, the irony being that, uh, you know, a few years ago she started, uh, doing meal prep for herself for working out at the gym and it's kind of spread to some of her friends. She was doing it for friends and then it exploded and became a whole business. And so the funny thing being that, you know, I was the one who was always like thinking in entrepreneurial ways and she's the one that actually kind of like launched out there all of a sudden, even though she didn't mean to, it was a total accident. But that experience, I think, you know, the two of us working together to make that grow and make that turn into something profitable. Um, 
you know, really, uh, you know, set the set the stage. And then one day, uh, you know, as we were driving to church, uh, with you know, the church that we go to is is a little farther south of the the post. And you know, we've been driving by and we'd seen the remodeling happening. And you know, and we kept asking ourselves the same question as everyone else. You know, why is it? You know, how is it that it's been remodeled like this and it looks so nice, but it just never opens? And so, you know, one day I said to her, so what would you think about us looking into it? Maybe we could get it open. And, and she said, well, you know, I, that's not the worst idea I think I've ever I heard. I was seven months pregnant uh, <laughs> with our six children in the back of the van running my own business. Congratulations. And uh, I was like, ah, yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> let's throw another, another log on the fire and let's see how this goes, right? Fine. What's what's one more ball in the air, you know? So well, yeah. that so church to the south is that the one that's kind of up on the hill, uh, next um, one down? I'm no, we go to South Fork, which is okay. a few few miles south of that. Um, yeah. So, um, but that's, yeah, that's you're thinking Beaver Lake Baptist. Yeah, yeah. I think South Fork is down near that. Uh, there's that softball diamonds down near. Um, yes, yes, yes. Where, yeah. where, where the old motorcycle yeah. club with the duck head and the motorcycle helmet glued to the wall used to be. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how far yes. back we go. Uh, real quick, I want to I want to rewind and pause. First off, to take something as dramatic as a lifestyle change, because anybody who's actually gets into physical fitness, they realize diets don't work. So you did a lifestyle change. You encourage your friends to do lifestyle change, doing the food prep, and that's how you got started in this. That's even a f- cooler aspect of the story, because you know, it's hardest part about that sort of lifestyle change is a sticking to a diet b finding time to do the meal prep but to actually be so successful at it and do it in a way that you don't feel like you're eating leftovers and doing it in a way that your friends and family are like hey uh can you come help us out and then make a business out of it that is saying something about your quality of meal prep and or uh, culinary skills well thank you i yeah. really appreciate that it started it actually came out of me quitting drinking which was very difficult Coming out of the pandemic, I was like, okay, me and Bourbon have way too close of a relationship. And I'm realizing that the pandemic was very unhealthy for me. <laughs> so no. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take a 30-day break. And then at the end of 30 days, I was like, man, I feel really good. So I decided to do 60 days. And mm-hmm. that was right at the beginning of the year, um, 2021. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a full year. I'm just going to take a full year. I'm going to start eating right. I mean, coming out of COVID, I just, I had had a baby. I had just weaned a baby. So I had been breastfeeding. I gained a ton mm-hmm. of weight. Like it was terrible. And um, so I was like, I'd never gone to the gym before. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go do this boot camp. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> my first night. I'm surprised I ever went back after that. But, um, but so yeah, you did the full on hard reset, basically. I did. Oh, yeah. I did. I did like 75 hard, basically. Like I've been looking the- into 75 hard and uh Yeah. And I just I it, it's been um it's been a slow and steady process. Um it's been a year and a half, a little over a year and a half, and I had to take a break because I got pregnant in that time and mm-hmm. so there was a time period there where I wasn't, you know, um, at the gym regularly. But I've lost 60 pounds. And I mean, for example, when I left personal training, when I got pregnant, I was leg pressing 520 pounds. Wow. I worked out go. with an absolutely shredded, ripped body bodybuilder. I mean, this giant guy, and he just does not take no for an answer. He's like, you can lift that, you can run that, you can, you know, he just he just pulls the, the, the best out of you. And oh, I realized good. at a certain point that I that 
the, it didn't matter how much I worked out. If my nutrition wasn't on point, then it just didn't matter. I was wasting my time. So I started prepping. And the, the reason people at the gym started finding out about it was that I was doing a boot. I was going in for personal training, having an hour break and then doing a boot camp. So I had to fuel in between. So I was microwaving food there and mm -hmm. I was eating there and people were coming in going, what's that smell? What are you eating? What <laughs> is that? You know? And so, yeah, I just, I started kind of sharing it with some people at the gym and then they started recommending other people. And um, it got to the point where I was like, well, I have to have some set menu items. So I know what I'm making for the week. And people would just, you know, send me a Facebook message. Oh, can I get X amount of breakfast, X amount of lunches, whatever. <laughs> and it got so out of control. It's great that Joe has the, the strengths that he has because he was like, well, I need to make you a website. So he created this absolutely beautiful website and started doing marketing for me online and then started doing sales for me, going to local gyms and setting up tastings where I would go and I would serve my food. And I mean, he, he really, I mean, he says like, oh, she just exploded out there. And initially, yes, like the business came to be because of me doing the meal prep, but he really helped me grow it into a major, major business. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I sort of can't believe it every week when all the orders start rolling in and I'm like, man, people really want more of this food. <laughs> Well, she's being modest, but you know, her, she's always been sort of wildly talented in the kitchen. And then it's a long story, but we had the opportunity to go live over in Australia for a few years. Nice. No, oh. we were living in Sydney. Uh, and while we were there, um, she took the, it's, it's a huge, huge food culture city. Um, and, mm -hmm. and there are many great, um, you know, culinary schools there. So she took that opportunity to study with some of the best chefs in the world and really sort of like took her game to a whole new level. I mean, just a completely different level. So, you know, we're carrying her food in the Beaverlick Post now. And, uh, you know, it sells out. It sells so quickly, we can barely keep it in the store. I'm seeing all this food. It fits even a quarter, tastes as quarter of good as it looks. It's going to be insane, but it doesn't look that healthy. Well, some of it, so that's the thing, right? Is that I am constrained in my business. Because you got to know your I demographic. Always, right. I mean, you're not someone, an Erlanger. Someone, right, exactly. Someone will say like, oh, you know, it's it's some, it's some winter time. We need soups. And I'm like, okay, all right. What, what kind of soup can I make with mm -hmm. ground turkey? You know, how can I make it really lean, but still really flavorful? Okay, now how can I cut the fat in this? How can I cut the carbs in this? So honestly, with the trading post, it's fantastic because every once in a while I get to splash out and be like, caramel apples, pumpkin yeah. pies, you know, like <laughs> the stuff that I don't ordinarily get to cook for myself anymore or even for, you know, for the business. So it's kind of nice because it's like, you know, I get to exercise both sides of uh, my mm -hmm. culinary prowess, the healthy side and the unhealthy side. I tell you, I so I live in Vegas, and uh, your desserts look just as good as anything you get down on the strip. It's oh, it is beautiful. It's it's insane. So uh, no, yeah, I, I would be in trouble if I still lived down on Ryle Road. That's yeah, sure. there's a lot of people that are like, I came to pick up my Mimi's macros order with my healthy food in it, and then I ended up buying croissants and a caramel apple. So that's your uh, cheat meal. You'll you'll be all right. Now, when it comes to the seasonal, when it comes to the seasonal produce, do you procure that locally, or um, how do you go about getting your apples and the different seasonal items? All sorts of different ways. Um, I, I'm I'm a stickler for as much organic as possible and as fresh as possible. Um, it it just it honestly depends. Like for our camp, caramel apples, for example, we get those from Glassons down mm -hmm. on River Road there. 
you know, and I just drive out there and, you know, buy them by the two or three bushel full. Um, and I love that because it's small business supporting small business. You know, you just, you got to let it trickle downhill. Um, and I work with local suppliers. Um, luckily I work in a commercial kitchen that's a shared environment. So a lot of us go in um, and have different suppliers that we deal with. We also have a, um, a local CSA, um, like a produce CSA that shares the building with us. So it's absolutely incredible because their stuff comes right from the farm. And they'll just come through the kitchen and say like, hey, um, we've got extra zucchini this week or nice. we have extra this this week. And you can go ahead and just order it right from them. And I mean, it's next door, literally like in the cooler in the next room. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Are you familiar with the local farm called Darkwoods Farm? No. Down in um, Petersburg. Rabbit hash. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So my the, the kitchen I cook out of is in Newport. So we deal with a lot more, um, I would say, like up in Ohio farms, just because of, the, you know, where we are, the fact that we're so close to the river. Sure. Um, so yeah. I'm not as familiar with as many of the places down here, you know, d down by where the store is. Yeah. No, that was and an it, attempt. It a, that was just. And a, they do CSA, by the way. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's Good actually. Deal. It's actually a shameless plug for our family. That's our cousin Annie's farm. She, uh, oh, that's awesome. She started that about three or four years ago. They did a story on her in one of the Cincinnati newspapers, and I did. I had her on my motivational podcast, and she started out just um, – she's kind of like a modern-day sharecropper. As you know, there's no farms around anymore. So uh, yeah. when she came back, she's basically rents an acre of land, was doing the uh, farmer's market for a while, but now she strictly basically provides all the produce for the um, – high-end and hipster restaurants in Cincinnati and coming to know. She basically uh, yeah. is. Yeah. I think she actually ended up buying a piece of land somewhere Finally. else, but uh, that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. No, I'm, are you guys local? Are y'all native of the Northern Kentucky? I am. Um, and, and, and that's sort of, it sort of ties, that sort of ties into, you know, something I, I actually posted about on Facebook the other day, which is that, you know, I, I grew up over in Walton, um, and we were we were pretty yeah, low I went income. to that elementary school with no windows. <laughs> yep, and uh, you know we were pretty low income, and and one of the things that I, it just kind of felt like insult added to injury, um, mm -hmm. you know, with being poor was that you know not only were we poor, but if we did manage to save up any money, that you know there was nothing of any quality unless you drove all the way downtown, mm -hmm. you know, my mom used to drop once a year, my mom would drive us all the way downtown to go get shoes, you know, for the, mm -hmm. for the school year. And so when we, when we finally decided we were going to do this, um, that we were going to open the post, uh, you know, I, I sort of made this vow to myself that, you know, this place, you know, I don't want it to be like, it's just another Safeway or or IGA or something you know or or a Speedway or something like that you know I want this place to to serve food that is even better than if they went downtown and went to one of those sort of hipster restaurants mm -hmm. you know I want this I want the place to be a destination um, I want you know it to be sort of famous for having great food and for two reasons one one was to you know give back to that community give them a place where they can go where they could really get good high quality food um and, and also because i knew it would attract people from outside the community which we do get we get quite a few people who drive in from uh you know sometimes from a pretty far distance you know especially when we do the the caramel apples or we have a festival of some kind um you know they they do they just come flocking in for it um because you know we've we've 
I think we've done a pretty good job of blending this feeling of the old country general store, mm-hmm. but also bringing in all the the modern, uh, you know, technology and capabilities that they are accustomed to getting from the bigger chain. So, you know, we're just about ready to launch online ordering um, and people will be able to order groceries, pizza, um, you know, breakfast, coffee, you know, anything in the store will be available online and then they can come through the drive through and pick it up, uh, you know, or come out and we'll do curbside, you know, we'll come out and put it in your trunk for you. Just like if you went to did a click list at Kroger or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to, you know, meld that um, and, and to deliver something to this community that's really, really something of quality, um, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just you know, being another sort of like cheap or dollar store type thing, because there's way too much of that down there anyway. Yes. Um, you know, so, well, not yeah, only that, but kind of there. your geographical location, I mean, I'm sure there's been a few buildings sprung up. I haven't been there in probably about three or four years. Sadly, I'll be there in mm-hmm. about three weeks. But where you guys are located versus local establishments that serves that kind of fare, you guys are far distance away. And as you were yeah. saying, you know, living in that area and the ability to provide people with that quality of food um, without having to drive 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, exactly. like if you live yeah. down in big bone, when you needed, you know, anything back in the day, your two options were either you're driving to rabbit hash or if the store was open at the time, you were driving to Beaverlick and, yeah. or maybe, and it closed up the bar that used to be right across the street from the park, but it closed so long ago. Those were your three places or you're driving to Warsaw or, you know, making a trek. Mm-hmm. And so Florence. to provide Florence. that level of food and save people on time and gas, especially, you know, especially nowadays with the price of gas and, you know, for the, our listeners who live in the city, they say it's a country mile for a reason because the hills, you just burn through a lot more gas traveling through those hills yeah. than you would driving right. a surface road in the city. And so to, be able to have quality food and a variety of food and fresh food that close to your house and give yeah. you the ability to save so much money and gas and time. Let's not forget the importance of how much your time's worth. That is a tremendous asset yeah. to that community. So well, we you- even have some people that, that I, I, you know, for a while there, I was working in the mornings. I was coming in at five 30 and getting the store open. And um, after a while, there were some people that would come through. And one guy was telling me that he used to drive, down 75 because he actually lived in Florence and worked down near Warsaw mm-hmm. and he would drive down 75. But he says, now I come down 42 so I can stop here to get coffee and breakfast. So he drives past all the places in Florence that he could do that to come to the post and get his coffee and breakfast there. And to me, that's, that's the kind of thing that really means something about what we're doing. Because he knows that Florence and Richwood all have the same three restaurants and he don't want those yep. restaurants. He doesn't want that white castle coffee or the McDonald's coffee or the speedway coffee. He wants good coffee and quality food. And, and the scenic yeah. route to get there is not too bad either. That's yeah. true. And we do pride ourselves on our coffee. We have, oh, really that's, good that's, that's great. Now, Joe, you said you're from Walton. So I need you to yeah. think back on the corner of 25 and I said 287 the main uh, in Richwood Road there. Oh there remember, wow. there used to be an old white house with Spooky two ponds house. before there was uh, a bunch of truck stops? I do vaguely back. recall that. And and it, was that near that really sort of rundown building that was always sort of a uh, like a like a mm-hmm. I like don't a, know. like a trading post also or like which a, it yeah, was, it was in, and right to the right of that was, whatnots, yeah. And right to yeah, the right of that was, was the house that <laughs> won the Christmas lights every year. 
Yes, yeah. the Robinsons. Uh, that old spooky mm-hmm. house that is now two pilot truck stops, a rundown Holiday Inn, and a White Castle was our family property. That's where we grew up until our family <laughs> sold it out from underneath us. Yeah, I, dr- I grew up a little bit north of that. Um, I was uh, My parents had a small farm off of Mayhair. Okay. So, you know, I, and we, we I, still have family there, too. Actually, Don and I are the – and my dad are the only ones who don't live there. Everybody else yeah. kind of stayed stuck. <laughs> so. escape. Well, I, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I, I left multiple times and, and even moved as far away as Australia, and yet somehow I just keep ending up he back out. here. And I tell people it's in. just because this place sucks so much. It just pulls you right back. No well, what I tell you, you what, I've lived in Montana. I, 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 I'm, I'm coming at it from the opposite perspective, which is that I am from Ohio. Okay, I grew up in so Columbus I'm, also. So. I, uh, I moved to Kentucky and I was like, oh, this is what a beautiful, nice community with nice, friendly people and good drivers is like. And I never want to leave. You know? yeah, it's so funny. We, uh, we were in Grove City, Ohio, which is southwest of Columbus. Yep, yep. And they, they used to have a saying that anybody who graduated uh, high school uh, from Kentucky, it was the three R's, reading, writing, and Route 23 up to Columbus. <laughs> But yep. uh, to, to go the opposite way, I tell you, I've been all over the country and still one of my favorite drives to, and I hope it hasn't changed too much. It's been a long time since I've been there was Richwood road between 42 and the freeway no. one down by the Presbyterian church. I always it thought it was beautiful. Changed. It yeah. has not changed. And, and actually it's funny because I looked into when we started looking at buying the store, um, you know, I went and checked with the planning commission and, and I looked to see what was coming down there. What kind of, you know, were they going to widen 42 or, or, you know, 338 and what was going to happen. And um, as it turns out, they, they do have plans. They're going to widen, um, you know, that road all the way up to the point where it hits, um, you know, where that little chambers, that, chambers you know, road. yeah. Where that little churches, mm-hmm. but everything, but they absolutely, the people down there put up a fit and they had to stop there. They want to keep the rest of that the way it is because it's some of the most beautiful homes in the area. Well, you, you know? ruined the scenic byway too, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and I'm sure a lot of your traffic is a scenic byway. And I'm sure if I remember right, there's a, the world's longest, uh, what do they call that? The, yard uh, sale. yes, the yard sale, yard yes. Sale. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a good time for you guys. How long have you all been open? Um, about, well, we opened on August 13th. Okay. So, you know, not, not too long, but uh, it's been going well. And, and, you know, we started offering pizza uh, about nine days ago. And since then we've sold 238 wow. pizzas. <laughs> I tell you what, when my sister goes to, to Florence from Florence to visit my mom in Warsaw, I'll make sure she stops by and picks her up something. Yeah. So, uh, Has the footprint of the store changed? Because I'm I'm hearing cookies and and pastries and and apples and pizza ovens and I'm trying to think, you know, where, my my old memories. I walk into the left. There used to be a, a little bucket that had, you know, minnows in it, and then you had your beer yeah. cooler. To the right was the front desk, office. and the floor had a weird slant. <laughs> That's all I vaguely yeah. remembered. So I'm trying to think. It's where tiny. No, it is it tiny. Is tiny. Yeah, we actually have got all of our. Um, Sort of our kitchen is uh, is only about I'd say about uh, eight feet wide and about twelve feet deep. Um, it's pretty narrow, but we've got a um, our three compartment sink is is a very shallow sink. So in, in terms of like it's close to the wall, it doesn't you know it's not really deep. Um, and 
you know, we've kind of, we've had to really rearrange things in there a lot and we're getting ready to rearrange it again to bring in a freezer for pizza. Um, and so it's tight, but um, it's actually working out pretty well. Um, the pastries that we bring in come from the kitchen uh, where Mimi works. Uh, there's a, there's a um, baker, a couple of bakers down there that supply our pastries. Uh, one of the other businesses down there uh, supplies our breakfast burritos. So, you know, we're, what we're doing is we're we're sort of letting the two businesses develop kind of the symbiotic relationship sure. where uh you know she's supplying food the other companies that are down there in that kitchen supply food um and so you know we're paying them and then we're making a profit off of the resale and so you know again it's small businesses supporting small businesses you know we don't we try not to produce anything there we just, you know, we'll heat it up and serve it. So our pizza okay. comes completely assembled uh, and it's frozen. And, you know, we put a little extra sauce on it, hit it with a little bit more cheese and stick it into the oven. And, you know, it comes out the other side. Perfect. And, you know, into the box it goes and, and we're done. Um, yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the specials that you see, that's those are being created off-site you know in the commercial kitchen and it really i mean it's the i never would have thought when when we were first really talking about opening it i never would have thought that we would have had such a symbiotic relationship yeah. between the two businesses because when i was looking at the store i really wasn't looking at it from the perspective of food service or really food at all i'm like it's a convenience store you know and i wanted mm -hmm. it to be like a a really homey convenience store. I wanted people to be able to feel comfortable to come and get their coffee and sit on the porch. One of my big uh, things that I pushed were the rocking chairs on the front porch. I felt like that was just an absolute necessity, really. And um, Sorry for laughing. Really, I was just thinking if this was a Simpsons episode, this is when the lawyers would step and say, on the behalf of the Cracker Barrel, we must hit you with a cease and desist order. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. None of our Troy are McClure. I'm going to show up. <laughs> You might know me from other things, such as, you know. Oh, now, Mike, I, Mike, I know you're a little in the dark here. Okay. To put this in perspective, to put this in perspective for our Southwest Florida listeners, this would be like the equivalent of Lahans going out of business for like ten years, fifteen years, and then coming back strong. So this place, Mike, is a little bit smaller than Lahans. I was going to say it sounds sounds uh, very similar to that place that uh, I love so much. <laughs> yeah, we're here in Southwest Florida. We were we're located where the hurricane just came and kicked the crap out of us. But we have a little tiny country store right off seventy five down in North Fort Myers called Lahans. And every time I walk in there, I feel like I'm walking through a little mom and pop store either in Warsaw or Beaver Lick or somewhere in those areas. It's just it's got the slanted concrete floor, the old white uh, ship lap siding, and it's just just your regular run-of-the-mill small country store. How was the now, community when you guys opened the doors and put the old branding back up there? Oh, it's been our the the welcome that we have gotten and the response has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, everyone, it, there's been, you know, one of two things. People either come in and say, like, like reiterating what you were saying earlier, they come in and they say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for getting this place open. Now I don't have to drive to Florence just to get a gallon of milk, mm -hmm. you know, and whatnot, all those kinds of things. And then I would say about every fifth person that comes in will have some story about how they used to come there when they were younger 
for one reason or another, and they would talk about what was there. And, you know, my dad used to have to bring, this was a deer chest. had to go buy my mom a yeah. cigarette. I yeah. Say, oh, yeah, there was. You know, I've heard. That was us. Of, you know, I, I've heard the stories about being, you know, like nine or ten and having to walk down there and buy beer and cigarettes and bring them home for mom or dad, you know. Um, and on and, a full you know, moon. A lot of it was coming down and getting ice cream yep. in the summer. It was hot, you know, and so. You know, Mimi kind of pushed me to put in soft serve, and I'm really glad we did because it's turned out to be a really big hit. Um, but yeah, the community has been incredibly supportive um, and very happy. And, and 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 so many people look at me all the time and they say like, "So how are you guys doing?" Because I think they worry that we'll close. Yeah, <laughs> um, they've seen it in that area between there and yeah. the the place that used to be the Pink Pig, and it's kind of changed <laughs> a few times. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're open now. It's been too long. Uh, one question I had is, do y'all still have the fuel pumps? <laughs> no, no. Um, they had to, well, those fuel fuel pumps and the fuel tanks. I would say the tanks them themselves. Extremely old. Mm-hmm. And so um, when the um, property got, you know, remodeled, essentially, and regraded and redone, um, the EPA kind of insisted that they take those tanks out. Um, and and get rid of them because they were the old steel and iron ones and and you know oh, they were yeah. they'd been drained and emptied they just did not want them there anymore um, and I would say a lot of people come in and ask you know will you ever think about putting in 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 gas and my answer is well yes but you have to understand I'd have to like I'd have to have the entire rest of the property over to the tree line excavated mm-hmm. uh, and then the 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 short end estimate for putting in new tanks because they have to be the new double hauled kind because we got the creek creek there. So we're in a watershed. Uh, So they're super paranoid about it. Um, You know, I'd have to lay out about 2.4 million. I was going to say the put in fuel, the price Um, to cut through limestone is not cheap. Yeah. And, and the, and the thing is, is that about 80% of that cost is, you know, getting all the regulations squared away. And then you're still not done. I had a friend of mine who owned a shell station and, up on his wall, I counted. He had 16 tax stamps he had to pay a year. So yeah. 12 months in a year, yeah. 16. So there's times he's paying taxes twice a month on all the stuff just that goes along with having fuel. So it's probably in the yeah. long run be – and I can imagine what the uh, surcharge to get fuel down in that area would be anyhow. Uh-huh. And the liability is very high legally. And the great thing is is that the, the uh, fuel companies – they don't foot any of the cost. They won't help nope. you out financially to put in the pumps or anything. They don't do any of that. And you really don't make money on fuel. It's just no, a way don't. to come in the store. And so, furthermore, why it would like you... you're all plenty busy with that? So that's awesome. I was going to say, why yeah, would you yeah. recreate a well proven failed market strategy at that property? The reason right. you guys succeeded is because you didn't do the same thing. The last 38 owners did henceforth. Mm-hmm. Why they didn't, you know, you're only making so much money off cigarettes and beer sales. Right. Well, when, when we when we were looking at the place, um, you know, I, I work for a, a large bank and I work in Treasury. And so I kind of leveraged all the resources that I had to get some studies done on the area and kind of figure things out. And, and I realized pretty quickly that if we just opened it as a convenience store, it would last about three or four months, maybe six months. But then when the really hard, cold you know, mm-hmm. winter days set in and people don't want to get out of their car, um, that we, it would go under. You know, you just wouldn't yeah. be able to, you wouldn't be bringing enough revenue. So I knew that food service was going to be a critical aspect of it. So that's why I was pushing really hard to get, you know, pizza going. And, and we're going to expand that menu now. We're going to be adding hoagies and some pasta dishes and, you know, some other stuff that we can just run through that oven, you know, um, 
pretzel knots and and beer cheese and wings and you know everything you could possibly do we knew that the the the, the food service was going to be the key and it really has turned out to be true because it brings them in the door for you know the food and then they while they're there they grab a two liter they grab you know a few other things they oh you know we need milk and they grab milk uh, and and I knew that was going to be a key part of it. And launching, uh, you know, pizza has increased our sales almost thirty percent. Oh, that's awesome! Now, do you have the footprint or the uh, the real estate there to expand if necessary? Uh, not really. <laughs> okay. And I didn't uh, know. I didn't know the the building codes there. I I work yeah. in construction, but I I know it out here better than anywhere else. So. Yeah. Our only option that we've considered is, is that we may enclose the porch on one side um, and that would gain us another 10 feet, um, you know, out and then mm -hmm. sort of another sort of like another um, alcove back there that would be about, you know, 10 or 15 feet deep. And, and, and you know, we would do that um, to expand out the food options. Um, mm -hmm. There's nowhere for us to go as far as the, the retail part of it. We, we don't have any any room to grow. Um, yeah, and that's, that's all on hillside. If I remember, it's kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. It's it's a cliff all the way around. So yeah, that is the only sort of bummer is that you know there's not that that instant sort of like oh well, we could push out here or we could add covered seating. Gotta go here. up. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's just not there's just not a lot of space. And if you do things outside, I mean, we had that fall festival and it was wonderful. And it really worked out nicely. We did block off, you know, a portion of the parking lot and we had mm -hmm. picnic tables set up and cornhole. And then there was pony rides up on the, before the hill gets really steep. There's sort right. of, it sort of levels off there on that level. There were some pony rides and little petting zoo, but I mean, really you could still only fit eight, 10 cars in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So they were just parking down the side of Beaver road and walking up. Nice. I mean, we, it was, it was, you know, uh, probably a thousand feet down down beaver road cars and and oh, wow. parks yeah. people walking up but it's like you know you think about that and you think about you know even just increasing the amount of customers coming in like where are they going to park you know it's it's yeah. such a small lot yeah so um you know that's kind of the it's 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 forcing us to be very careful yeah um and then as well the footprint inside with the food service you know we're trying to figure out okay if i prepare this in the in the commercial kitchen if i do it like this and then mm -hmm. i freeze it and then we transport it to the store and then we put it through the oven at the store how does it come out i cannot tell you how many times we've gotten a sitter and we've gone down to the store on a tuesday night and we've been running stuff go, okay well i made this okay well i made this and i par cooked it like this okay well now this one's totally raw okay now this one and we're just running stuff through taking bites throwing it in the trash well that one's no good you know like just figuring out you know, the temperature and the time is that is that one of the chain ovens that you run yeah, through yeah yeah, yeah. well we, we have a saying down at the store you know all the employees hear me say it so often they're sick of it and i say that everything here is an experiment you know we're going to see what works and what doesn't. And we also put up a large um, roll of baker's paper um, mm -hmm. up on the wall and it pulls straight down on the wall. And we have uh, Sharpies on string next to it. Nice. And we let anybody who wants to comes into the store. If we don't have something that they you know, really want to buy on a regular basis, we tell them, write it up there and we'll see if we can get it in here. Oh, and that's so cool. I keep an eye on that list and I see, you know, if I see something coming up a lot, uh, then, you know, I look into how we can get it. You know, I'm, I got to look into Black Rifle Coffee now because we've had that requested like seven or eight times. And so, you know, I want to get it in. 
we had a lot of requests for old-fashioned sodas, and so we worked out with Town and & Country. Now we get all the old, like, Red Stripe and Pops, uh, you know, root beer, and, you know, we have a whole cooler door full of that stuff. Um, that of course, you can't forget call. about the uh, Kentucky staple. Is it Ale 8 or is it Ale 8? Ale 8. So, I actually, um, there's someone that I know who's an Ale 8 ambassador, and they have a program where you can bring your old bottles back for the trade-in and uh, there was a local store that was doing it and they, I don't know if they went out of business or what, but there is no local sort of ale eight uh, ambassador store. Um, and I think that would be amazing because they, we could then carry all of the flavors, you know, so that's something that we're looking into too, because it's, I mean, it's just quintessential, right? It's quintessential like Kentucky to get that like cherry yep. ale eight and a, you know, I, I just, you know, we're trying to embody that, um, the best of Kentucky, the best part of that, you know, the, the front porch sitting, the, you know, old guy telling the, the old time stories, you know, drinking the ALA. We, we sell a lot of like the Mexican Coke. So we've mm -hmm. got um, the, the bottle openers mounted on the posts outside. So you come outside and you can open up your Coke on the bottle openers out there on the porch, you know, just trying to like really you know, sort of encapsulate that feeling so that it is a new and modern place, but it has that throwback, that nostalgia and that, you know, small town, you know, kind of come on in and corner, sit yeah, corner store kind of feel. <laughs> so it sounds like you actually have the old timer sitting on the porch, huh? We, we do. do. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Somebody from right around. And I assume We've got regulars that come in. Um, I wonder if it's Crazy in. Clifford. I don't know if he's still around. I was going to make a Crazy Clifford <laughs> joke too. No, but we do have a guy named Strong Bear who comes in almost every day and buys a burrito. <laughs> and I assume you guys have Grippo's barbecue chips in, in stock as well? Uh, not yet. We have Lay's, but we don't have Grippo's yet. It's shocking. The thing that bothers me the most, because I in my... In my uh, corporate America days, um, I worked in continuous improvement. So I was a Six Sigma, you know, person. I, you know, so it's all about like, what's the best, most efficient way to get things done? And which is just a bad, I mean, you shouldn't think that way when you're working in corporate America, first of all, because you're just going to be disappointed on a daily basis. But um, when we started, you know, doing this, for example, when we got our liquor license, you know, we start talking to this, you know, distributor, this beer distributor, and he, you know, puts out this map of like, okay, well, here's, you know, here's all the different things you can carry and here's how it'll look in the cooler doors. And then he's like, you know, you place your order, we bring it, great, you know, so we take, we do that. And he shows up and only half the stuff is there. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, well, they only carry half the brands. <laughs> You've got to go to the other distributor to get different brands. And then if you want hometown brands, then there's smaller distributors that carry. You've got to go talk to Rheingeist about that. You've got to go talk to. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I mean, with chips, with everything else. Oh, no, we're not allowed to sell that one. You've got to go set up an account with this guy and order from them for this. And that drives me nuts. Yeah, like, that's... Could, they, could you not just have one place? Not yeah. that, but that's all things that... That's all things that should have been listed on page one before you sign the contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? you would think. But, you know, right now we have 17 different vendors that we work wow. with. Wow. Joe and Mimi so, uh, from the Beaverlick Trade Post. Now, you guys you guys dropped trading. See, I'm habitually calling it Trading Post, but it's Beaverlick Post. Um, no, we, we use the Trading Post. We keep it there. But the, the website's just Beaverlick Post in order to – so that you don't – Less typing. Know, 
yeah, you don't get a repetitive stress injury from typing <laughs> in our website. So that's what I was going to get to. Before we let you go, if you want to put out your social media plugs and your websites and how people who are traveling through the northern Kentucky area can locate your um, beautiful store and um, visit the area while they're there, uh, go ahead and put those plugs in. Sure. Um, so our website is beaverlickpost.com, uh, spelled exactly how you would think. Uh, that website is currently um, not online yet. It's it's padlocked, but uh, we will have it up and running here in the next few days. Uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, just by putting in Beaverlick Post. And if you're coming through the area, all you have to do is, uh, you know, get off the expressway, get off 75 at Florence and head south on US 42 and you'll hit us in about 15 minutes. Be on the right hand side. We're kind of hard to miss. Yeah, well, it's at 2009 Beaver Road. Yep. And we are right <laughs> at the down bottom the of the hill, both ways. At the bottom, bottom of the hill. hill. That's yeah. right. Yep. We're right down the street from uh, Big Bone Lake State Park. Now and I, we are catty corner to Boondocks, which is, I think that's the pink pig that you yes. referenced before. It's and, a little bar and grill. Yeah, you are just south of Sugar Tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and one last question is it still a single yellow blinking light at that intersection or are they finally upgraded to a red and green uh there is currently no light ah well we want to thank you guys so much for coming in you guys have a great uh weekend coming up and good luck with everything and i'll swing through here in about two weeks all right awesome. thanks we look forward to seeing you thank you guys for coming on have thank a good you. one bye-bye bye-bye and that's going to wrap that part of the show up. Um, before we move on, that was a cool interview. I'm glad we had a chance to get them on. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of fitness, I am on a new fitness routine. Yeah? Yeah, it's the cowboy way. Fitness burger in your mouth? No, I said the cowboy way. So after I get home from work, I put on the old cowboy hat, I strap on the boots, I grab some shovels, and I dig fence posts out of the goddamn ground for an hour a night. I have removed three of them. Um, I my initial plan was now, is to that one a night. Uh, to, I'm averaging two now. Um, just like anything else, the first time you deconstruct something that you had no part of constructing, it takes a little reverse yeah. engineering. By the time you get the second one, you figure the science out. And I also figured out why these fences are collapsing the way they do. Mm-hmm. They're taking these plastic posts and they're putting them in the ground and they drive them about two 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 and a half feet into the soil. Then they put about a foot and a half of concrete on them. A little bit more soil. And so basically, there's nothing at the bottom. It's just kind of like a uh, stick bobber, if you will, Mike. Yeah, it should be all concrete that it's based in. Well, uh, what I started doing is the other day, I dug around the base of one, and I and I sent you the picture. I straightened it out with my um, ratchet strap. And then there was another one that was broken at the top that I needed to remove. So long story short, tonight I, I figured out if I shovel around the bottom of them, I can literally stick my fingers in the hole, squat, and pull the damn things out of the ground put them on the ground, take a hammer to them, break the concrete footers off, and now I can replant them as if they're brand new instead of having, you know, trying to make it work. Because the other weird thing is one of them I got straight, but the thing was like almost a half a foot taller than the rest. I don't know how the fuck that happened. I I tell you, and and maybe uh, Mike will back me up on this, the best way to do it is get yourself some sauna tubes. They're the... uh, Mm I was thinking about maybe constructing some with cardboard because I know what you're thinking because I was looking before I start pulling them out of the ground. I'm like, well, I got these big ass holes. I don't want to put that much concrete. So I was just going to put a little square concrete, I mean, square box in there, backfill with dirt, put the cement in the box, and then pull the box out and let the two meet. But now here's a question for you guys. I, I have the post out. I'm thinking, should I backfill these holes and then 
dig a fresh hole with a post hole digger or just keep them open, keep, plant the keep, shit? Keep, and, keep, the hole, the, keep the hole open. That's where the sauna tube comes in because then you can put the tube in, backfill around the, um, the cardboard tube, and then you can uh, go ahead and start filling that. You know, uh, sometimes they have, sometimes they have rebar in them, but yours is don't need rebar. Just, you know, and it's, they got various sizes, various diameters. Well, interestingly enough, the neighbor or an 18 inch tube and just put it down there for about two, three feet. So it's uh, got some, some, uh, some soil and some pressure against it and shouldn't shift so much. The neighbor had his fence being replaced tonight. So I got their, their card to see if I can buy some posts directly off of them to save some money. But, um, yeah. So, real quick, um, a couple of things I mentioned before the show that kind of reminded me of some stories we're talking about. We're I'm an Adidas fan here, and I rude the yeah. day that Adidas signed on with Kanye West because he was the creator of the world's ugliest Adidas shoes, the Jeezys, and the overpriced fucking sl- um, the foam shoes that look like you work in a bakery and you came home with dough wrapped around your shoes. It cost like $338. They almost look like elf shoes. Yes. Good news. Not for Yeezy. Adidas terminates Yee partnership. Gap removes Yeezy items over rappers' anti-Semitic remarks. So Adidas on Tuesday entered a, its part, ended its partnership with Yee, formerly known as Kanye West, after a musician made a series of offensive and anti-Semitic comments. Fun fact for those of you who don't know your Adidas history. Back in third, 1938, there was the 1938 Olympics. took place in Germany. Mm-hmm. The uh, gentleman who ran the shit out of the Olympics, who won on the behalf of the United States, was a colored gentleman named Jesse Owens. Yes. Germany, being the host of the 1938 Olympics, Hitler wasn't too thrilled with that. All his blonde-haired, blue-eyed boys losing. Good for mm-hmm. him. Jesse Owens won that Olympics wearing a pair of Apumas. Pumas. Sadly, the proprietors and owners of Puma, much like a lot of Jews, business owners in Germany, were rounded up and put in concentration camps. It was upon the time that the American forces liberated the two brothers who owned Puma and found out that they were the creators of the Puma shoe that Jesse Owen wore to win the 1930 Olympics. Those American soldiers, when they got back home, started shopping for Puma shoes. So, Don, this is a story about Adidas, not a Puma. So, what's your point? Well, as tendency has when you go into business with family, it's one of the things you don't do. Fights occur, relationships are, are, are torn, and feelings are hurt. And one of the brothers said, I'll teach you, Mr. Puma. I am going to start my own shoe business, and I am going to name it after myself. Adios. And so, the creator of the Adidas shoe was actually a former creator and part owner of Puma. And so it would probably make sense that a company who was built by a man who was rescued from a concentration camp probably thinks it's in bad taste to partner with somebody making anti-Semitic remarks. So I'm not surprised in the least, and I'm proud to say that hopefully my Adidas company will stop making ugly fucking shoes. Because after all, if we wanted ugly shoes, we would buy, that's right, Nike. So can I go ahead? There's something that's been bothering me, and I think Yeezy is part of the problem. But there's something that's been bothering me about shoes, mm-hmm. 
athletic shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it serves a. F- I hope it serves a function and is not a fashion. But the extended fucking heel. That was easy. The remember the shoes that. Um, but I see mo- many tennis shoes. I like well, especially Adidas, to, right? Yeah, because they they all copy. They want that look. I mean, that looks like something like you know some punk kid would step on the back of the shoes real easy. Uh, the a kid in front of them in school mm-hmm. just to get them to eject out. Remember when Demo Ranch went to Vegas and he won yes. all that money and they all bought those super expensive like two thousand dollar shoes. As a goof, those were them. Those are the easy yeah. Adidas. Yeah, I know what they look shoes, like. I, but yeah, they're god awful. Around here, just got them, and uh, it's that extended heel thing. It's it's it seems like it has gone out to almost every brand now, and some are longer than others. And I'm like, that's, that's just stupid. Looking. Well, it's kind of like in the mid 2000s when all the skateboard shoes started to look, you know, the low top, wide, big tongue, big toe. They all kind of look like the Airwalks did for a while. Yep. It's kind of, it's all kind of one and the same. And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. You came here looking for a van life update? Yeah, this shit sucks. <laughs> I mean, fuck. It's just expensive homelessness, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I'm in deep now. I'll make it work. <laughs> and this has been the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. Yeah. I so want a Revel. I want a bagel Revel. But uh, I'll just keep dreaming. Another comment Gordon made uh, before we went on the air is we're getting one close, one step closer to the edge. <laughs> Chinese. Oh, you mean our Franz Ferdinand moment? Yeah. Chinese memory maker YMTC ask all American employees to get the fuck out. Man, we have. Uh, Hot on the heels of Apple descending. I'm sorry, hot on the heels of Apple deciding that using cheap Yanzik Memory Technology Corp, YMTC, memory chips and iPhones is too risky. Why? Possibly because, well, you don't know what's in those chips and they could easily hack our system. The Chinese company is asking American employees to leave. Bounce. Don't Ouch. let the door hit you where Bruda splits you. As a Financial Times report, all American... I don't believe in any religion, so, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and the Financial Times reports all American employees working in the core tech positive at YMTC are being forced to leave the company. A person briefed with what's happening inside the company said, they told us to get the fuck out. YMTC's decision to rid itself of American employees is an inevitable reaction to the sanction imposed by the United States government to limit Chinese access to advanced technologies. Last month, YMTC Pretty. chief executive, Sim Yang, who holds his U.S. passport, decided to step down from the role of the company's YMTC's deputy chair instead. It is unclear if he will now be forced to resign from the company. So there is another Chinese company bouncing all their gringos up out of the building. Did you see the story that the two Koreas fired warning shots at each other this week? No, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, that's awesome. I was listening to Adam Carolla today, and he was talking about an interview he did with a gentleman who was the only man to walk across the walk across the Antarctic by himself, solo, with no support system. And he was talking about when you're walking that amount of time and that much by yourself, all the shit you think about. We've talked about this on the show, and you got to run a half marathon or whatever. You got to run eight or nine miles. You just have time compartmentalize this, that, and everything. And so that guy has put out a challenge, and I'm thinking about doing it. It's called the 12-hour walk. Get up, walk out your house, walk in one direction for about six hours, and turn the fuck around and come home. The caveat is no earbuds, no music, no podcast, just you, your thoughts, and your surrounding noises. And I like a good challenge. 
If it wasn't for the fact that I dropped 60 pounds of the concrete on my foot tonight when I'm moving a post from the ground, <laughs> I was going to try to do it this weekend, but now I may have to wait a week or two. Hey, Don. There you go. Bearing that Crocs down. are not safe. Back off it. Back off your mic some. Go ahead. Crocs are not safe. I wasn't wearing Crocs. I was wearing my Brooks, believe it or not. Only time I wear Crocs is on my kayak or to the gas station to get a quick beverage. I am not a, I am not a um, residual or recreational Croc wearer. I leave that for somebody else. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up to do some plumbing and Crocs. <laughs> I have. They told me. They told me I had to stop. I was so upset about that too because they were coming. Hey, in your own company. No. What's that? He's in your own company? No. no. He's smarter than that. He works for somebody I else. For somebody else and oh. they, I, I would show up to customers' houses uh, I'm and sure Crocs. They're, I'm sure they're not OSHA approved either. When Mimi oh, said that not. she quit drinking bourbon, I was trying to find a pause in the conversation so I could explain to everybody that if you live in Kentucky and you stop drinking bourbon, you lose your, your tax break. <laughs> I, was beginning, I was getting worried about you. I didn't see any alcoholic beverages there for a minute. Well, I left my bottles of wine in here from last week, and so I forgot I had them. So I came here tonight like, ooh, speaking of technologies, Google being sued over biometric data collection without consent. Oops. Now, we all learned before, where does all the technical lawsuits come out of? Texas. Texas. Eastern District, I think. But this is not a patent troll. This is actually the Texas Attorney General, Mr. Ken Paxson, has sued Google for allegedly collecting and using biometric data belonging to millions of Texans without their proper consent. The Texas AG says that Google allegedly used products and services like Google Photos, Google Assist, and Nest Hub Max to collect a vast array of biometric identifiers, including voice prints and records of face geometry since 2015. This would be a violation of the Texas State Biometric Privacy Act, a.k.a. the Capture and Use of Biometric Identifier Act, which requires companies to get to, I'm sorry, to request that users consent when collecting their biometric identifiers, i.e. a retina or iris scan, fingerprint, voice print, or record. Boy, don't we sound silly. I remember a short 10 years ago when iPhone said, hey, you can unlock us with your fingerprints. And all us old timers who used to have screen names who didn't put our real names on the internet because we didn't trust nobody. We said, they're going to use it. They're going to steal your fingerprint. And people said, you're crazy, old man. That shit doesn't happen. We love big corporations. Yeah, look what happened. <laughs> Short few years later, Texas is suing because they're stealing your shit. So, yeah. So we'll see what comes out of Texas in that lawsuit. Yep. Mike, what do you have on your list of shit, fella? Uh a very short list of shit. It's a shit. Red, it's tide a list is, Red Tide is coming our way. Did you know that? Red Tide and bact- man-eating bacteria. Now, Carrie tells me his tale, and he, she told man you the same tale. Man-eating bacteria? Yes. Carrie told tale, and I have not researched it because I don't want it to not be true. But every time there's a natural disaster, you have these assholes from other states that wants to become a hero. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, allegedly, we had a Michigander down here. Oh, boy. Up. I grew up swimming in Lake Erie, Lake Huron, whatever fucking Great Lakes near Michigan. I'm a waterman. So, allegedly, this fellow was doing some uh, canal cleanup, at which point he, uh, well, he cut himself because sharp reefs and shit, and allegedly got bacteria from a man-eating bacteria and then died from it. And so, we got that in the water now. 
Not to mention Apparently. the 19 portageons that Mike and I counted, <laughs> counted in two days on three lakes. 19, Cape Coral. 19. And, and, and our feet were in that water. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's uh, delicious. You know what it did? It cured my athlete's foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it cured his athlete's foot, but it gave him something far worse. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see what that comes up in my blood work. <laughs> I um, did procure myself a nice rash one time when I started fishing, but anyhow. So, yes, Red Tide, tell us about it, because we don't have enough going on in this fucking lovely state. So, Red Tide is currently in the Sarasota Is that area. a once-a-month thing? Red Tide? Yeah. yeah. That's Red when, Tide is a uh, all-the-fucking-time kind of thing. It's it's when uh, Red Tide comes once a month. It's not Mother every 28 Nature, days? Yeah, Mother Nature turns into a real bitch. You can't say mm-hmm. nothing to her. Everything's blown out of a fucking portion. you got to wait till the Red Tide goes away before you want to mm-hmm. go down to the river, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. People are ignoring everything. There's still people going do. out in the water. There's still people going out there, even though there's a flesh-eating bacteria out there. Uh, I ain't scared. I had my COVID shot. <laughs> yeah, people are stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Says the guy who's talking to two people people who've gone out in kayaks and said water in less than 48 hours ago. Yeah, wait a second. I had my Crocs on. I was safe. That's right. (laughs) Crocs (laughs) filter out bacteria. When, uh, you know, we go out, we go freshwater fishing and whatever, and, you know, you see. The water's not so fresh right now, but. Hey, it, it, it. it's been it's been purified by the chemicals in the nineteen portageons we found in the water. Everything so it's got a nice blue hue. Everything sound as a pound. Slightly. But uh, but yeah, they've oh. they've seen cases of red tide that are in uh, Sarasota right now, which is unfortunate because the last time we saw red red tide, we saw major fish kills uh, along our beaches and and uh, um. Not you know. Yeah, because our tourism hasn't really... taken a hit enough. Now we're gonna what tourists do come down here? Which where the fuck are they gonna go? They're gonna have to rent Airbnbs in, in Cape Coral. That's all they're gonna have to do. That there's only place to to rent down here is Airbnbs. You're not if gonna, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah I mean, we can come down places, there with our RV. I bet there's plenty of parking now. No. A lot of those places are gonna be full because mm-hmm. you know you've got people that are you know, out of their homes now because they got nowhere to go. And most of those places already have a three year waiting list because you have like permanent snowbirds who come down here, who spend the entire winter driving around or summer driving around. And they come parking down here to save up money for the next six months to afford their diesel fuel. I know we've had a shit ton of people uh, coming over to the apartment communities that have been, you know, dehomed and, and are trying to find somewhere to live. And apartments I, were expensive down here before. You're talking twenty five hundred dollars a month in fucking rent for like a three yeah. bedroom. Although I did hear that the market should be going down within the next year. So what well, has housing, the housing here. market and the and the rental market will actually, you know. Yeah, I know here it so. started going down a little. I mean, not a lot. They said it's gone down. So instead of eight percent up from the year before, it's now four percent. <laughs> Yeah. Well, in the in the rental market, actually, it it follows the the housing market mm-hmm. and mortgage rates and stuff like that. So the higher your mortgage rate goes and your interest rate and whatever, I then throw another uh, three quarter point on that and it'll tip everything over. I'm sure. Exactly. Speaking of the housing market, if you've done any shopping or lived in this area for any amount of fucking time, you're aware of the mega builder Dr. Horton. That's mm-hmm. my house is built by Dr. Horton. I ask you if you had a Dr. Horton out there. Yep, this is a... Oh, I thought you were talking about Tim Horton. No, D.R. Horton. Is your house built yeah, by no. D.R. Horton? It is a D.R. Horton Boy, is this home. story for fucking you. 
Chumalaka area man has gone hog wild after he said massive home building company D.R. Horton built a driveway for their new homes through his right of way that he owns without his permission. No boy. In all, Bill Lewis owned seven acres of that right of way along both Dewey, Jurgens, and Ten Mile Road in the Chumukaluka area. It is called a right of way, though. He's, well, he owns it, though. Then there's no eminent mm. domain. He said after the company built through his property, there are some discussions of selling the land. But once the offer came back too low. Now, for those who don't know your history about the uh, killdozer, this is exactly how that fucking story started. Just to put that warning out there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, killdozer, YouTube it. You'll thank me later. He said after the company built through his property, there were some discussions about selling the land. But once the offer came in too low, Lewis decided to crank it up a little bit. No, Lewis was not a welder. No, Lewis did not own a 10-ton backhoe that he put armor plate on and put gun holes in and drove through the town and shooting people and trashing places like killdozer. No, Mr. Lewis did something a little more old-school, old-fashioned. He wanted to send a message. That's when Lewis built a pig pen on the driveway of one of the houses in order to bring D.R. Horton to negotiation table. D.R. Horton... did they not get this right from a... Um... D.R. Horton, self-described as America Builder, has constructed over 900,000 new homes since 1978, according to the company's website. The company also claims since 2002, D.R. Horton is the most commonly chosen builder in the country. It's because they bought everything up. After the driveway was built, Lewis said the home builder offered him about $21,000 for the land, but he counted at $150,000. As of Monday afternoon, he has not received a response from D.R. Horton. He said that since the, since the, I'm sorry, he said that silence prompted him to put up the pen. The news journal reached out to D.R. Horton, and that's the end of the story. But I saw on TikTok right before the show, D.R. Horton is building a new driveway right along the edge of the pig pen. So instead of uh, playing ball, they just said, fuck it. We got men. We already pay for we the labor. We got ourselves an asshole over here, boys. Let's get the hot rollers out and let's just pay them some new property. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. It's just it's just another one of these old fashioned stories of the of the big. But the surveyor should have got it right, and they should have checked with the county law. You know the law. You know the the, the properties and and everything else. But uh, but you know then again, I live in a town where intersections don't line up going from one side to the other. There'll Mike, a lane shift right in the middle. Mike, are you an organ donor? I am. Gordon, are you an organ donor? Yep. I used to be. No oh boy. Don't know I am anymore. I don't know. Maybe I just got greedy. Said, fuck you, want my own parts. <laughs> I want them all in me when I get them. Would you yeah. uh, Would you ever sell your body to science? Maybe let your eyes go to a blind boy or heart go to a young lady who just had some kids and she's got a bad ticker? You know, my family history, my ticker won't be any good by then. But, uh, hmm. Mike, if your sure. mom said, Mike, upon my passing... When I go over the rainbow bridge, <laughs> like she's a fucking dog. <laughs> she says, Mike, I want to, I want to make a difference. I don't want to feed the worms. I don't want to contribute to the ever ending, non-ending decline of environmentalism by putting concrete blocks and art- uh, uh, artificial wooden boxes full of cadavers into the soil. I want to, I want to make a difference with my life. I want to donate my body to science. 
Would you follow her wishes, Mike? Well, yes. if you're listening to us at home, because Mike can't answer. Yes, I would. And you're thinking, yes, I want to follow mom's wishes. Let this be a cautionary tale, because not everything is as it seems. And you always want to do a Yelp review on the company you sell your mama to. Arizona man is suing a body donation company for selling his mother's body to the military for blast testing. No. So so it's not frozen chickens through an aircraft engine. (laughs) I heard this story. (laughs) Jim Strafford believed his mom's body would be used for medical research. Instead, it was used to test bomb impact. That's medical. More than five years ago, Stouffer's mom, Doris, died in hospice care after suffering from Alzheimer's. Stouffer donated his mother's body to the Biological Resource Center, BRC, if you will, hoping it could be used for Alzheimer's research, according to Reuters. Years later, the nosy people at Reuters, who can't mind their own fucking business, contacted Stouffer with some shocking news. In 2016, Reuters found that more than 20 dead bodies donated to the Arizona broker were actually used in the United States Army's blast experiments. This was without, of course, consent of the deceased next of kin. And for some, it was done against the family's objections. Some families did not learn about these experiments from the Army, but rather Reuters, such was the case for Stauffer, who has since joined 32 other people in suing BRC. He learned from Reuters that his mother's body was used in the Army experiment measuring the damage caused by roadside bombs, IEDs, if you will. Doing it without permission of the donor's relatives is a violation of the United States Army's policy, Reuters reports. Can you imagine the many drunken conversations where this may come up? My mama was killed by an IED, was taken out by an IED, well, at least her body. BRC sold donated, sold donated bodies like Doris Strauffer for $5,893. That's a fucking steal, if I do say so myself. But would you believe that BRC is no longer in business? But over a decade, they were able to sell more than 200,000 parts from about 5,000 human bodies, according to Reuters. In just one part of the multi-part investigation series by Reuters called The Body Trade. When a body is donated, few states provide rules governing dismemberment or use or offer any rights to the donor's next of kin, Reuters explains in part of its series, published in 2017. Bodies and parts can be bought, sold, and leased again and again, <laughs> except for on eBay. Leased. I will return this finger when I'm done. I would like to trade you this pinky for two thumbs. That's well, not a deal, the, sir. The, After the, all, it's well, the thumb well, the that separates damaged, us. And now you're violating the lease agreement. As a result, it can be difficult to track what becomes of the body of the donors, let alone ensure that they are handled with. Let alone to ensure that they are handled with dignity. You know who I feel sorry for in this story? Our but, listeners. Well, I always feel sorry for them, but that's on them because they <laughs> tune in every week. So you know what you're getting. You know what you're in for. 45 minutes of grocery store talk. No, who I feel sorry for is the young cubs like Mike, no use for a last name, who thought he was going to serve his country and sign up for the Army. <laughs> Only to have some dickhead sergeant, probably a first lieutenant, tell him in no uncertain terms to go in the back of that wagon, open up that deep freezer, grab grandma, strap her to that fucking school chair because we're going to blow her to sky high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it. 
the body doesn't get put there by itself. Some poor private has to strap that bitch down, all right? Yeah. That's somebody's job. Somebody had to do that. And apparently on more than that, one occasion. Maybe it's the people out of the medical wing. <laughs> they didn't sign up for that. They didn't sign up to take Gertrude and her nightgown, which has still got nice now, pleats. Let's, let's stop right there. You're a World War II reenactor. Mm-hmm. So being that you're a World War II reenactor, mm-hmm. that would be the ultimate reenactment is if uh, your body had gotten sold to the military and thus boom. First off, sir, this isn't 1951, and I'm not a resident of Bikini Atoll, so therefore it wouldn't count. <laughs> if you get that yeah. reference, you're welcome. Uh, now, why does Steph- it gotta? Why does it gotta be a nuclear bomb? We've got enough of that going on right now, too. Yeah, Jesus. Because if we're gonna go big, go big. The go civil suit filed home. last week revealed disturbing news, uh, new details about the 2014 FBI raid on the facility during the BRC raid which was part of a multi-state investigation. The The FBI found buckets of body parts and the bodies of different people sewn together at the facility. (laughs) KTV. Who who was running this? Like the great grand, my fucking head. Who's running this? The great grandchild of Dr. Mangula. One of the FBI agents testified that he found a quote, cooler filled with male genitalia. No, that was from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. You got your paperwork mixed up. Hmm. Buckets of heads, arms and legs, infected heads, how would they know the difference? And small women's heads sewn into large male torsos like Frankenstein's hanging on the wall. Straffer spoke oh, yeah, to ABC. Now you give the military guy, the guys in the military, some, some something weird to do and say so go sick and to come a long way from collecting ears in Vietnam. Uh, yeah. Every time <laughs> you gotta always outdo the generation before, right? Straffer spoke to ABC affiliate KNXV about the suit. I don't see any pathway of ever getting to pass this, he said. Every time there's a memory, every time there's a photograph, every time a firework goes off a fourth of July, I just want to fucking vomit. I made that part this up. This story is gonna segue <laughs> well into my first news story. Stephen Gore didn't care about the families. He didn't care about the people and he didn't care about the memories, Stopher said. If I could be a little small part of his personal financial destruction, I don't care. That's just fucking horrible. <laughs> Reuters was just minding their own goddamn business, left things as they were. Everything would be good, but now they got to get ratings. They got to get clear. Reuters got to stick their nose in it. Yep. Join us live from the Digital 410 News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? Well, uh, feeling a little morbid. It is going into Halloween, so we might as well continue the dead body talk. Dead Don, bodies, I think you missed bodies the bodies all over this street. You've missed your calling. 55, 65 bodies. At you were least. a background actor, right? In a previous oh, life. The dead body, then. Louisville, Kentucky. We will sell them to ya. Kentucky native Josh Nelly basically got ahead on. You said Louisville, Louisville, right? Because you can't go finish this Louisville. podcast Louisville. and say Louisville. Yes. Not Louisville, not Louisville, but Louisville. Lou Oval, if you don't mind. Kentucky native Josh Naley has zero acting experience. Don't we all? But he is so natural at playing dead, he has been cast to play a dead man in an upcoming episode of the popular CBS series, CSI Vegas. Stan's going to be so pissed. He's been wanting to do that for like 20 years. I got an email from CBS saying that they've seen me on TikTok and wanted to offer me a part. 
Nelly told told the Courier Journal, part of the USA Day, USA Today Network. She looked like First, a dead body. First, I didn't believe it, but then they flew me out to California, and it turns out that Mario Van Peebles was the director for the episode. Was so besides getting cast in the show, I also got to meet him in it, which was great. So Nelly, who hails from Elizabethtown, which is located 45 miles south of Louisville. And if that name sounds familiar, it was a Kirsten Dunst movie. You're welcome. Was asked to get on the episode of uh, CSI after show producers in L.A. spotted his macabre yet hilarious series of TikToks. For the past year, the 42-year-old restaurant manager has a campaign for the role of an unalive person on movie television or show by creating daily posts at various locations around the Blue Cast State. Apparently, they don't have a casting company in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Well, it's working for him. Yep. Although the, the locations are always different, his postures seldom vary. So what did he do? I want to call foul on this gentleman. I don't <laughs> even care what hold he on, did. Let me hold finish. on, hold on, let me finish, sir. Sounds to me like he's a ripoff of Stacy anywhere on Instagram. Is that her? The chick who goes all these tourist traps and does a dead body pose. She's been on Instagram for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. You can look up at a living underscore dead underscore Josh. Most often he's face down in snow, dirt, grass, or rocks on the bank of a river in someone's front yard or a local park. Occasionally, he changes up his dead guy pose and slumps against a crumbling brick wall, (laughs) reclines head first in the foot of stairs. Check out. His living underscore dead underscore Josh TikTok page, and you'll find more than 350 entries where he has basically had hundreds of lifeless scenes, such as a person lying prone on the banks of the Salt River. Splayed out under the Corvette Museum sign in Bowling Green, or prostrate on a dining room floor while the family enjoys a Thanksgiving meal. In his post from day 91, Nailey was face down next to a statue of Burnham Forrest. Day 295 finds him uh, sitting, resting in peace at the foot of a graffiti-covered wall at the Otter Creek Park Pavilion. He also appears dead as a doornail in snow-covered grass in his post from day 101. He says, I don't like speaking on the camera, but I can lie there and act like I'm dead pretty easily, he laughs. Having done more than 300 of these posts, he has progressed and has gotten better. At first, you could see me breathing or... Fake blood looked really bad, but I've gotten rid of using the blood and gotten better at holding my breath. It's uh, it's the animals that sometimes trips him up, though. He often gets friends to help make uh, the videos, which includes a fairly a few unruly goats. Hmm. Everybody screw you up a little bit. And there are many videos that, although if it was a fainting goat, that'd be even funnier. Um, it's few videos of many videos that include his dogs. He said, I figure out the best to have some kind of movement in the video so it doesn't look like a still photograph. One of my dogs still seems curious about what I'm up to. The other one just kind of wanders by and then wanders off. Trying to find the So, Instagram yes, played chat. dead enough on TikTok that he got himself a role. To be able to get dead. paid to lay around and do nothing. Yeah, they they got that job. It's called a male prostitute. Oh, actually, the male actually have to do work. It's the women who lay around and do nothing. Yep, that is dead. Josh. He did it again. Caused trouble. Hurt someone's feelings. Yet he didn't want to do it. 
Yes, troublesome people are often people I in trouble. Don't have they may be mentally ill. Yeah. Find out how you can help. Write yeah. Better Mental Health, Box 3000, New York 1, New York. Because all it requires just to be moist. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Don's feeling a little... Uh... Don, you're a dick. He's <laughs> been called worse. Not like a real piece of shit. Like yeah. if a piece of shit ate a piece of shit and took a pee and shit, you're that piece of shit. Did you notice I have my rabbit has t-shirt on tonight for the Yes, occasion? I did. I had noticed that as soon as you uh, we got off the air. Magnitude, 5.1 earthquake, <laughs> and I do have friends in San Francisco who said, wow, that was a rattler. <laughs> Try uh, the largest to strike the region in years. 5.1. Magnitude, 5.1 earthquake rattled the San Francisco Bay Area on Tuesday, shaking buildings and making the strongest quake in the region as seen in about eight years. There was no immediate reports of damage or injuries. U.S. Geological Survey said the, stri- the quake struck at about 11.42 a.m. local time, located about 12 miles east of San Jose, I mean San Jose, at the depth of about four miles. The area is about 40 uh, miles southeast of downtown San Fran. The earthquake was the largest in the Bay Area, has experienced in years, as I said before. According to the USGS data, the seismologist Lucy Jones. Wow, you can't get a more generic name than that. Uh, sorry, Lucy Jones. I just cracked on your name. Look at mine. It's even worse. Uh, the last notable quake was a 6.0 magnitude earthquake that struck near Napa in the year 2014. Jones told the uh, KNTV-TV. KNTV-TV. Wow, that's redundant. KNTV. Uh, the quake happened uh, near the Cal- Calaveras Fault, which is one of eight major faults in the Bay Area. I got a barking dog in the background and a branch of the San Andreas Fault Line. So this uh, fault t- it tends is the one that tends to have smaller earthquakes, according to Jones. The National Weather Service in the Bay Area office said the shaking could be felt as in its Monterey office transit for BART. And Caltran briefly paused its operations before resuming at reduced speeds. I'm sure they had to check their tracks. Santa Cruz County said on Twitter that there is no so there were no significant reports of damage following the quake. There was no damage in the schools and the classes safely resumed. That reminds me in like, was it two years ago, three, four years ago, right around uh, 4th of July, there was a big quake in Cali and it, we were watching. We were watching season two of Stranger Things, and our may I may or may not have been a little um, altered, but uh, this first scene came on and it had a lot of bass, and I was beginning to think, "Wow, they've done some really cool stuff with the special effects." Uh, then I turned around and saw my pendant light swinging. I was like, "Crap, that was an earthquake!" And then we felt one later on in the day. So. I never Even experienced here. one in California. They had they had like two or three when I lived there, but I never felt it. Yep. And then, uh, otherwise, news is all bad. <laughs> I, I even went to um, the AP Oddities, and they haven't even updated that in the last week. So, uh, I want to know. Mike wants to know. Every third motherfucker in Florida wants to know. If Inglewood, Long Beach, Inglewood, wrong Inglewood, Inglewood, Florida, I believe it was Inglewood, on a Port Charlotte City Council media that was aired on the local TV news, stated that they got reports from Inglewood that one of the marinas registered 200 miles per fucking hour, Oof. sustained winds of 177, 
Why are they not calling Hurricane Ian, Ian, asshole, a cat five rather than a cat Well, four? and that was my thing, too. It's like, it's not like two miles an hour. Well, off. that's the question, and I just Googled it, and I can't find it. The tinfoil hat-wearing fucks here in Florida claim, and I can't find anything. Maybe somebody can do a better Google search than I. But the word, the conspiracy on the street is that, and I don't believe it, so I'd like to think if it was true, DeSantis would say, tough shit. This fucker was a cat five. But the tinfoil folks who want to live in a Faraday cage are trying to get people to believe that if we had a hurricane five, cat five hurricane, that we would not have to pay our insurance deductibles, which is why they claim that they're not making Ian, Ian, asshole, a cat five and keeping it categorized as a cat four, even though there has been allegedly according to the Port Charlotte City Council meeting and their mayor, recorded so, sustained winds of 177 fucking miles per hour. So there was some anemometers going off reading that, basically. Max speed of 200, which automatically is 45 miles an hour faster than what was required to be a cat fucking four. What is 145 is a cat four? Cat four runs up to 156, I think. And then once it hits 157, it's a five. So they had sustained of 177 and a max of 200. So that's curious. You know, I almost wonder if when they get that that wind reading, it's when one of whatever time the aircraft probes it, and that's what they pick it up at that point. This particular reading was that one location, right? I was going to say this particular reading came from a marina. This was on land, not in a plane up in the sky. This was land. This was a land measurement but uh curiously guys want to do us a favor head over to d-410.com click on that patreon link like subscribe sign up it goes a long way to help the show it's only a dollar a month and while you're there head over to d-410.com or what's in your head.com and click on the youtube link and go check out a couple of videos we posted we had uh hurricane ian updates on part of the poles and paddles playlist and as of right now you can see my father's house who was flooded on the in the garage playlist because there's no fishing in that video. And so if you want to see what a man's property looks like after he gets four and a half feet of water in his house and has to throw and dressers away fools. Oh, what got me is when I found his fucking pictures. Yeah, I saw that. Mm. How crazy is that, that I found that wedged underneath the dresser in between the slider and the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. But yeah, go check out that video. Um, as that progresses, we will include more. Uh, Mike, you have anything else on your list of shit? Uh, not in particular. Just everybody go to tackleyourpersonalbest.com. Check out the podcast, Tackle Your Personal Best Podcast. Um, follow me on my social medias, at TYPB Mike. And, uh, you know, check out all the other podcasts on d-410.com. And I want to give a shout out to uh, TikTok. I'm probably one of the few who's had a video for removed for calling myself a crybaby when agreeing to a comment someone posted about me complaining about the 19 goddamn porta potties in the lake. He said, "Either call the original distributors or call 1-800 crybaby." To which I replied after running a mile, said, "Forgive the dark background. I understand that us crybabies are afraid of the dark, and that was community guideline violation for harassing and bullying." like my third one in the last two weeks. So shout out to Don't bully TikTok. yourself, man. You'll get canceled. Yeah, they took away my live streaming until the 28th. Joke's on them. No one watches my live streams anyhow. But anyhow, thank you guys for your continued support. 
Um, Gordon, where can people find you at uh, on social media and all that good stuff? Uh, exactly. GDA at um, Instagram, and uh, that's it for now that I can remember. So for myself, Gordon, and Mike, no use for last name. Thank you guys for all your continued support. Shout out to the fine people at Beaverlick Post or Beaverlick Trading Post. I will be sure to stop by and get myself a muffin in a few days. Actually, about Maybe two weeks, November 11th. Yeah, a T-shirt if they have it to go along with my rabbit hat shirt. But thank you guys so much. Thank you for continued support. And we will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>